Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And if you're watching online, this is not a rerun. It's not a repeat. It's Christmas in July, everybody. So we have a lot of great Christmas things going on in July. First, we have these Christmas stockings that you can fill for the Salvation Army. You know what? They're due soon, though. They are due at the end of the month. So they're in this hallway on a table. You can bring them back by the church anytime. We have a sleigh for you to put them back in. Um, it doesn't cost a lot to fill one of these up for the Salvation Army. You may be saying, well, why are we doing that in July? Um, the reason is because we're, uh, we have so many other cool ministries we do in December. So we're going to help with that now. The other awesome Christmas in July event we have, Catherine Barnes, it's amazing. We uh, do Christmas shoe boxes that go to other countries. And we, uh, the youth and kids are going to be filling those up on July 27th if you want to help with that. Um, and youth and kids, families, we ask for $5 to help with postage. And if you're here and you say, well, I'm not a youth or kid, but I want to help with postage or I want to help with that, see Catherine and come help. It's going to be awesome. So I have a couple other of announcements this morning. Pastor Sam has a Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 11 on the book of Acts. I hear it's the best Bible study in all of Alabama. So you want to catch that. Um, if you don't want to come in person, it's online at 6 o'clock on Facebook Live. The Men at the Well is a group that meets. Listen to how early they meet, Mark. Have you been to this? Once or twice. Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. So if you are up at Thursday uh, at 7 a.m., get on Zoom. They have an awesome time. I imagine some of them like Zoom on, while they're getting ready and driving to work. So you can be a part of that. Um, one of the greatest things our church does is the Exceptional Persons Party. Uh, special needs adults, they have a big party for them up in the gathering room. That's going to be at 3 o'clock on July the 20th, if you would like to help with that. My last announcement is um, the youth will be hiking the walls of Jericho, which is one of like the most extreme hikes in Alabama. So we thought, why don't we, we're not just going to hike it, let's hike it at the hottest time of the year on August 6th. So it'll be like a challenge. If you would like to go on that, let us know. It's going to be great. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can help people uh, with Christmas in July. We thank you for the ministries that go on in this church um, and in the United Methodist Church around the world. We thank you for those ministries, God. And uh, this morning, we pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us this morning? Stronger, the King of Glory. 
the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then If you would remain standing, we're going to do something that we do in the traditional service. We are going to say the Apostles' Creed together. I, yes, we are. Um, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. So that's something we say in our traditional service, and sometimes we do here as well, but it's important to remember those things we believe, and we say that with believers around the world this morning. So um, this time as we prepare our hearts for a time of tithe and offering, I want to let you know there is an offering plate in the back and one in the front that you can use on your way in and out of the church service. And those who are uh, watching online, there's ways to give online as well. And can we give it up for our media team again? They're amazing. They're amazing. So... Because they're back there, people can watch the service from, from anywhere. We have people that watch from out of state, so it's really, really cool that they do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful for the gifts that are given. We pray that you will use them uh, for your kingdom. We pray that you will use them for ministries here locally through the church, but also around the world, God, as we give to different... Um, as we give to UMCOR and these great ministries, God, we pray that you will use these. We pray not only the financial gifts, but also the gifts of time and service that are given. God, we pray that every service that is done through this church and through the members of the church and the community, we pray that you will use those to grow your kingdom and to touch lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can do 
God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before in greater measure, you will do again. There's no prison wall you can't break through. Mountain, you can move all things are possible. There's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save. All things are possible. The darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up. Let hope arise, death is overcome, you've already won, God of revival. You rose in victory, and now you're seated forever on the throne. Heart fear, you defeated. I will trust in you alone. There's no prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can't move. All things are possible. There's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you
city a god of revival pouring out pouring out every stronghold will crumble i hear the chains in the ground a god of revival pouring out pouring out that song was awesome wasn't it Give it up for our praise band. They're amazing. And the children can go to kids' church, too. They're going to have a blast. Y'all know you're a little jealous about not getting to go to kids' church. If you would like to ever volunteer to help with kids' church, though, you can see Catherine. She can let you know how you can be a part of that. So are y'all familiar? There's a hymn, um, Come Thou Fount. Does everybody know that one? Has anybody heard Come Thou Fount? My favorite line from that awesome hymn is, uh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. You know that line? And uh, the passage that we're going to read today, I think that's really what happens in the book of Amos. Away from God. They wander away from what God has called them to do. They wander away from serving God and loving God the way that they should. And that causes them to mistreat others. So this week is actually a part two to the sermon last week. So if you're watching online or if you're here and you weren't here last week and you want to watch that, you can go back to last week's uh, sermon. Um, oh, no, my, my mic's not working. Can you hear me now? Okay. So um, if you're interested, this is a part. Hold it. Oh, pulpit. Can you hear me now? Okay, I think this had to do with online and not here, maybe. I don't know. If you're watching online or if you're here and you want to um, see the part one of this sermon, uh, that was last week because it's still continued from the book of Amos. Um, last week we talked about there was this guy named Amos and he was a sycamore tree farmer. So he wasn't even labeled a prophet, but he is sent to give this really harsh message uh, to the people in northern Israel under the, um, the leadership of Jeroboam II. Uh, they were mistreating the poor. They had uh, slave trading, idol worship going on, and Amos brings this really harsh message, um, and we read chapter 7 last week. It, it came in the form of a vision that he was giving them of terrible things that were going to happen. Um, so today, we are in chapter 8, is what we're looking at, and the message is even harsher than last week. I know, you're thinking, what a bummer, I came for an uplifting sermon. So we're going to get positive towards the end, all right? But this message, this, this passage is really, really tough. And that's what I love about using the lectionary is it brings you to read really tough passages. Um, you, you get to go through the whole Bible in three years, and this week it has us at a really tough one. Um, we talked about last week reading in Amos in different perspectives. Um, we talked about reading it in the form of those in power, those who are abusing others. We talked about reading it in the form of the oppressed. When you read the book of Amos in the view of the oppressed, you're like, awesome, God is on my side. God is fighting with us. God is going to help the poor, those who have been taken advantage of. And then last week we read it in the view of Amos, right? We read it in the view of this guy who was a sycamore tree farmer called to bring this really harsh message. Um, today, I wanted us to look at it in the view of who was it originally intended for, the people in power who are taking advantage of others. That's the context, the way we're going to read the passage today. Um, in the common English Bible, it even says as the heading, 
judgment on the oppressors and the hypocrites. This is Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. This is what the Lord showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? I said, a basket of summer fruit. The Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again forgive them. On that day, the people will wail at the temple songs, says, says the Lord God. There will be many corpses thrown about everywhere. Hear this, you trample on the needy and destroy the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? Make the ephem smaller and enlarge the shekel and deceive with false balances in order to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for sandals and sell garbage as grain. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget what they have done. Will not the land tremble on this account and all who live in it will mourn as it rises and overflows like the Nile and then falls again like the river Egypt? On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into sad affairs. I will turn your singing into a funeral song. I will make people, mourn, people wear mourning clothes and shave their heads. I will make it like the loss of an only child and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, where I will send hunger and thirst on the land. Neither a hunger for bread nor a thirst for water, but the hearing of the Lord's word. They will wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They will roam around seeking the Lord's word, but they won't find it. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that through this really, really harsh message in Amos, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will help us to love our neighbors, that we will love you more, and that we will respect and treat people the way you want us to treat them. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we kind of talked last week um, about how the people in northern Israel, they had been slaves before. They were captive, right? So all the things that they're doing to other people had been done to them in the past, right? So they, they know better. They know better. Um, so verse 4 talks about trampling on the poor. Verse 5 goes into the merchants, right? The merchants, they complain because they can't sell on the Sabbath and religious holidays. They want to grow wealthier. Greed has crept in, right? They want to make a higher profit. Verse 5 goes into that more because they are making the ephah smaller and enlarging the shekel. That was a form of measure measurement, and they're ripping off the poor. They are cheating the measurements, we could say, right? Um, and I don't think this probably just happened overnight where they made that decision. It was probably a process, right? Where, what if we just rip people off just a little bit for our profit, right? And then it's just continued to get worse and worse and worse. I don't know, when I, when I read that, I immediately thought of every time I buy a bag of chips, my disappointment. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And I know somebody's going to come up to me after the service and say, well, they do that so they don't crush all the chips. That's why all the air's in there. But I, I, maybe to a degree. But if I go and buy a bag of chips, Jay, it could be a bag of chips this big. And I'm like, I bought the biggest bag of chips. It's going to be a party on the couch, right? It's like this many chips in there because it's all air, right? It's all air. But I imagine that's what's happened to the people there. But with everything, right? 
the poor are getting poorer and they can't afford to live. Um, it says uh, they, they were selling garbage for grain. So they're taking out the good, nutritious grain and they're giving the people junk. Um, and they're selling it at a full price like it's the good stuff. This would have been the stuff that was just given to cattle. It's the extra stuff. So they're making the poor poorer and they're making them more needy. And they know better because this was done to them in the past. Now in verse 6, it says, In order to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for sandals. They're selling people at that point for the cost of silver. Uh, buying slaves. Desperate people considered and treated less than people. They're treated just like their worth is a coin or sandals. And they knew better than this. They would have known from Leviticus. They knew these laws. Leviticus 25, 39 says, If one of your fellow Israelites faces financial difficulty with you and sells themselves to you, you must not take him in to work as a slave. They knew better. They knew better. Did they not learn from the past? They had these past stories passed down to them. They would have known this, Ezekiel 16, 49. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were proud, had plenty to eat, and enjoyed peace and prosperity. But she did not help the poor and the needy. But what does any of that have to do with us, right? We're sitting here and we're thinking, this is like a really harsh message. But where do we fall into this, right? We're not Jeroboam II. None of us are running a nation. Um, we don't have that power and control to do those things. But we do have a voice. We do have a voice in things, right? And I think even locally, right, we could take it local because uh, that's where we have the most power is in our local communities. We want us to question ourselves. What about our church? What about our neighborhood, our schools, and then us as individuals? Are we taking care of those around us? Do we see things happening where others are trampled on? If so, think about in what ways does that happen? In what ways can we make a difference as a group or as individuals? Um, and what prevents us from going astray and taking advantage of the needy? Like I said, I, I highly doubt they got that out of control just overnight, right? It was a slow process probably of just getting a little more greed, a little more greed, a little more greed until it's out of control. Like the hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? prone to wonder. And it can happen to any of us, and it does at times. We wonder at times, don't we? When it's my Sunday to preach, I, I usually will message JT and Benny for the traditional service, and I'll say, we'll talk about hymns and which hymns we want to choose, right? And I found this hymn this week, um, hymn number 592. If you want to, you can look at it in your hymnal even if you want to. So um, we're not singing it today because apparently it's a really hard tune to sing. But the words to this hymn are amazing. It's called When the Church of Jesus, and it was written by a guy named Fred Pat Green. If you go through the hymnal, if you really, if you're ever bored, sneak a hymnal home, all right? You have to bring it back. But look through the hymns and read them, and then go back and try to find some of the stories about them. They're amazing. They're amazing. Um, if you ever have questions about a hymn, ask Ken Casey. He knows all of them and the stories. But 1968, this guy wrote this hymn. The story behind it is, was around that time in 1968, some of the urban congregations started ignoring the needs of the poor around them 
and he wrote this hymn, which I can only imagine probably got him in some trouble back then. Um, But this is what it says. When the church of Jesus shuts its outer door, lest the roar of traffic drown the voice of prayer. May our prayers, Lord, make us ten times more aware that the world we banish is our Christian care. If our hearts are lifted where devotion soars, high above this hungry, suffering world of ours, lest our hymns should drug us to forget its needs, forge our Christian worship into Christian deeds. Lest the gift we offer, money, talent, time, serve to salve our conscience to our secret shame. Lord, reprove, inspire us by the way you give. Teach us, dying Savior, how true Christians live. That is powerful, isn't it? Like, that could be our whole sermon today. That is powerful stuff. But again, when we think about us, right, we think about us, and we may read this book of Amos and think, well, that doesn't apply to us. We're not trampling the poor. You might say, well, I'm not going to work and ripping people off intentionally and and making them feel bad. I'm not uh, buying people for silver, right? But we have to be careful that we don't wander away and harm others, right? Uh, We might say we don't ignore the poor at Gadsden First Methodist Church, right? Uh, Even as a denomination, as a Methodist denomination, we might say we give to UMCOR. We help missionaries. We have a missionary board out in the hallway. We do relief work. Through UMCOR, they build wells in other countries to make sure people have clean water. But remember, these people of Israel, they were captive. But they got wealthy. They had victories. They felt entitled. They felt better than those in need. So it happened. It happened slowly, but greed crept in. And before you know it, they were taking advantage of others in the most terrible and unimaginable ways. What prevents us from doing that as a group and personally? What prevents us from doing that? May we never lose sight of where our blessings come from, right? And may we never lose sight of loving God and loving our neighbor. And when we love God, it should cause us to love those in need. This is a hard passage to read. And I don't know, to me it's been a tough couple of years in general, so I try to look for the positive when I read something like this. So now that we read all of that terrible stuff, let's try to have some hope, okay? I want to talk about some things that are the opposite of what happened in this passage. When I think about our ladle of love every Friday, and as I look out here, there's several of you that feed people every Friday, right? That's awesome. Our clothes closet... We're not trampling on people, we're giving people clothes, which is amazing. When I think about the missions team, when they go over and help Striplin Elementary School, it's amazing. It's the opposite of what's happening in this book. We talk about those things all the time, so you hear about those a lot, but what about these, right? It's the opposite of what's happening in the book of Amos, to take care of kids in need. Then what about a couple weeks ago? When this congregation and United Methodist congregations all over the conference gave money together to help people in the Ukraine. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome? It's the opposite of what was happening in this passage. And then even when I think, not even from our church, but when I just think about our community, right? If I go over and walk to lunch Monday through Friday to the library and they have the beautiful Rainbow Company, right? Has anybody, you guys been? Special needs kids from the high school are learning how to get jobs over there. And they, 
they work, they run that business. That's awesome. That's the opposite of what Jeroboam and the people were doing in this passage. So sometimes we feel small and we feel like as individuals, what can we do? You might think, I don't have a ton of money. I, I really don't know how to help. I don't know how to be the opposite of Jeroboam and the people that are getting this message. So I'm just going to tell you a real simple story, all right? I worked at uh, Southside United Methodist for four years. And the church there, they wouldn't mind me saying this, they're not like a mega church. They're not massive, right? Their budget is not massive. But their mission team has a heart that is massive, all right? So uh, at Southside Elementary School, the principal and the, the school secretary know they can call the mission team at any time, all right? So if there is a child that has a, comes from a low-income family, they will, they will contact the church um, over there, and they'll say, this child has a birthday on such and such a day. So the missions team will go out, they'll get a cake, and it'll be a cool one, right? It'll be the right theming that that child needs, whether it's Spider-Man or like Wonder Woman, whatever the thing is at the time, whatever, minions, whatever people are into. It could be cupcakes or a cake, and they get the plates, the Capri Suns, the whole nine yards, right? And they'll drop it off in the office. Now, our church, that Southside Methodist, they wouldn't do a photo opportunity. They wouldn't, like, have to, like, get the newspaper there. Nobody knew they did it. Nobody had to know they did it. The church would just drop that off. Then the parent would come in, and they pick up the cake, the plates, the Capri Suns. They walk it down to the classroom as it's from the parent, Right? That is awesome, and that is the opposite, the opposite of what the people were doing in this passage. It was simple. The mission team over there, they didn't need a pat on the back. They didn't need, they didn't need an accolade. They didn't need to be in the newspaper, but it was just simply the heart of Jesus, caring for somebody that has a need, caring for somebody that has a need. So as we leave here today, I want us to guard our hearts that we don't become like Jeroboam and the people of northern Israel. Guard our hearts that we care for others, that we, we remember where our blessings come from. And we want to continue to do the opposite of what those people did. So I want to read in closing a letter that Martin Luther King wrote when he was in jail in Birmingham. This could have been our whole sermon, this letter right here, because it's amazing. Um, Martin Luther King often talked about Amos, right? He would quote the book of Amos. As a lot of places we skip the book because it's hard to read, he would quote it. Um, so here it is. This is part of the letter from Martin Luther King. But though I was initially disappointed at being categorized as an extremist, as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, Bless those who curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despise you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was Paul not an extremist for the gospel? I bear in the body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, so help me God. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a botchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, this nation 
cannot survive half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be an extremist, but what kind of extremist will we be? Will we be an extremist for hate or for love? Will we be an extremist for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? In that dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must remember all three were crucified for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two extremists for, immortality, for immorality and thus fall below their environment. The other, Jesus Christ, was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness, and thereby rose above his environment. Perhaps the South, the nation, the world is in dire need of creative extremists. That's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. So as we get ready to leave here today, may we be extremists for love and compassion like Jesus was, the opposite of the people in this passage. At Thursday worship here in this sanctuary, I don't know if you guys all know uh, Dr. Gordon Isbell was here, and he said it even reminded him when he heard that, that Jesus was an extremist for forgiveness. And he talked about how important the message of forgiveness has been for him lately, right? And he wanted me to share that with everybody. And I also reminded Jesus was an extremist for hospitality and welcoming everyone and loving everybody. So let us, as we leave here, let us be extremists of love. Let us be extremists of just extravagant love like Jesus did. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that you will help us as we read tough passages, that we will, we will guard our hearts from becoming like the people in that passage. And if there's any areas where we're harming others, where we're, where we're turning others away from you, where we're trampling on people, God, take that away from us. Turn us to love. Turn us to love. Help this church, help us as people and as individuals. May we be extremists for love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take control
As we leave here, I have a challenge for myself and for all of you. When we're home and we open that bag of chips and it's 90% air, or when we fill up the gas tank and we start to complain about how terrible it is, right? When those things happen, may we ask ourselves, how are we loving our neighbors? 
may we ask ourselves, am I loving my neighbor? Am I acting like the people in that passage? God, show us how to love others. May we ask that when we go, uh, when those things happen. Go in peace.